As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is presented in part by Portatree. Portatree is a leading manufacturer of practice trees, simulators, and test tracks with quality products designed for racers by racers. I depend on Portatree for my own practice. This podcast is brought to you in part by Racing RVs. We realize that not everyone is in the market for a new or used RV, but if and when that day comes, be sure to support the people that support Sportsman Drag Racing. That's Racing RVs. Welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Introducing your hosts, the multi-time world champion, Cool Hand Luke Bogacki, and the golden voice of drag racing, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. This is my moment. I'll be on Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. Thank you for finding us wherever you find your podcast and allowing us to be a small part of your day. The Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast will be a weekly review of what's happening or what has happened in sportsman racing. Luke and I will be talking about all of the hottest topics, drivers, and events in racing today. What's going on, Luke Bogacki? How are you, Big Jed? Man, I'm really good. Really good. Uh, went to the racetrack this weekend. It yeah, was, yeah. It was a lot of fun. I didn't perform very well, but uh, had a great time and hung out with a great group. It was really enjoyable. Enjoyable weekend. Good, good. It, what about uh, you? Just uh, been working on trying to get ready to get to the racetrack, getting a little closer. Um, actually, uh, I, I spent the weekend in the shop, in the trailer, did some... Uh, some uh, aluminum brightening acid to the floor of the trailer man shine it up yeah you got to be pretty uh obsessive compulsive like i am to uh, get into that <laughs> but yeah it looks good I'm, I'm proud of it yeah i'm sure bright floor will will be nice to look at need probably need to do that to mine 
uh, let me tell you from experience so when you finally make it to the racetrack for that first time out it's a lot of fun you're really going to enjoy yourself <laughs> yeah i'm looking forward to it <laughs> dude we've got a lot of racing to cover today uh we don't have a guest today because we've got a ton of uh, actual race results to talk about we had a division race in orlando division two uh you were at montgomery for 315 granders one of the i think the biggest bracket race of the season to date um and nhra traveled to phoenix for the national event but before we get into any of that i think the the topic that is dominating sportsman drag racing in the wake of the weekend is um jerry emmons disqualification uh in the quarterfinal round at the nhra national event in phoenix quarterfinal round of stock eliminator for those of you that are living under a rock and have not seen this um here's the basics fourth round stock eliminator there was seven cars left eight cars left eight or less um and we've got jerry emmons who won pomona in stock eliminator is now down to the quarterfinals in phoenix in stock eliminator taking on kyle rizzoli and (coughs) the numbers on paper for emmons are very impressive uh 001 on the tree take 008 um to win a double breakout both cars down um down mile an hour which you can see on drag race central um in in the video pending like you can see them both drop and hit the brakes um so to take eight on a double drop great job jerry wins the double breakout uh, by virtue of slightly better reaction time he was one to result 17 um he was subsequently disqualified for excessive braking um as i said as you can plainly see if you're watching drag race central like jerry emmons crossed the finish line at 115 mile an hour on a previous run he had run 125 so no doubt he hit the brakes before the finish line kyle rizzoli down some mile an hour i would say he's actually a tenth quicker so you got to say you can go at least 125 um he goes 119 the video is all over facebook um you can see basically both drivers hit the brakes um jerry did so first from out in front which I think is why he killed more than Kyle. Like, I don't really think that he hit the brakes harder than Kyle. And in watching it, um, certainly doesn't look like either driver was remotely out of control. Um, But the decision was made that uh, this was excessive braking. Emmons was disqualified. And Rizzoli was awarded the win. So... I, I've gone. Down, I, I mentioned to you pre-show. I've gone down a rabbit hole on this, Jed. Like I, I've, I've, yeah. I've spent a lot of time on this today. But before I go on to my tangent, and which goes in a lot of different directions, what was your take when you saw this yesterday? Well, obviously, when I first looked at Facebook yesterday evening, late, uh, I think it's when I got home from Montgomery, and I was, uh, I saw the video come up immediately. And uh, I think the topic was Emmons DQ'd for this. So I'm thinking, okay, well, you're fixing to see something ugly here. I mean, this is that's a shame, but I'm probably fixing to see somebody get one all bent out of shape at the finish line. So I'm watching very closely, and obviously the slow motion at, as they're setting them down. And <laughs> as he crossed the finish line, I'm like, no, they they showed me the wrong video because you don't get you don't get DQ'd for racing great. There's no there's no rule against great racing, great finish line driving. So I just couldn't believe it. Um, you know, I'm I hear there was warnings at another event and this and that, but 
that was perfect driving and both drivers did the exact same thing maybe within a, a you know two tenths of a second of one another or whatever but it was excellent driving it was doing exactly what you are supposed to do in that situation and it's unbelievable that you could get dq'd for that um and i would say if that's going to be the rule then they're going to be tossing people left and right at events because that happens not only in stock but in super stock and super comp and super gas I mean, it happens in all of them and quite frankly comp eliminator has its share of of that too so uh, to me, it's just utterly ridiculous, and I can't believe that, that great driving gets you disqualified now in, in that organization. Yeah, I um, I agree, and I, I I look at this from a lot of different angles because I always try to okay that my initial reaction is just like yours, and then I step back and go, okay, well, what could have prompted this decision? So in this. To, to be completely honest, Jed, this is my problem with the podcast because I've spent all day like talking to people and researching this to not sound like an idiot in what I'm going to say for – this is going to be long. I'll just warn you for the next five or ten minutes. Like we're going to talk about this. Um, and, the, and like the reason – while I was in the trailer this weekend scrubbing the floor, I'm listening to ESPN radio and whatever the show is that Donovan McNabb's on comes on. And they're talking about college basketball. And it's very obvious within the first minute of the show, as a college basketball fan myself, um, it's very obvious that Donovan McNabb does not pay much attention to college basketball, (laughs) which is fine. Like, I don't pay much attention to pro football, and I'm sure he knows a ton about it. Um, But he's also on national radio, and they're leading with college basketball, and he's talking about how... A couple of years ago, Wichita State almost had an undefeated regular season. They, they did have an undefeated regular season. And he's talking about how <laughs> Northwestern could make the tournament for the first time in, in a long time. No, it's for the first time ever. Like, they've never been there. And he oh, just come wow. across like an idiot. He's not an idiot. He just don't know much about college basketball. A I gas bag. Right, he was gas bagging, right? We do that sometimes, <laughs> right? I can, I can identify with that. Um, so that's... That's probably my biggest fear is coming on here and sounding uninformed, uneducated. And that has led me into like literally several hours today of talking to people, doing some research. Um, And I don't know that I'm necessarily going to have the answers, but I've got a, a, a take on this. Number one, in all of my years of being around NHRA competition and competing in NHRA competition, I've never seen anything like this not at the national or divisional level like every track has a different interpretation of the rules so i've been to racetracks where if you smoke the tires at the finish line you're out or you know where they're very discretionary about and and really crack down on excessive braking um and, and that can vary a lot from one facility to the next one series to the next but specifically talking about NHRA divisional and national event competition, I have never seen or heard of an actual disqualification for anything short of hitting a barrier, crossing the center line, hitting an opponent. Like, that's the only reason that I've ever seen anyone be thrown out for excessive braking. If there, if, if any of you listeners know of a situation like this, 
and maybe not like this, like this is all on video where I'm just like you, everybody that watches it goes, he didn't do anything wrong. Um, but I, I think, at least in, to my recollection, this is completely unprecedented. So it got me, like I say, going down this rabbit hole, and I tried to do some research, and I found the only mention that I can find of excessive breaking in the NHRA rulebook, which is 324 pages long. Now, I'm not going to claim that I read 324 pages of the NHRA rulebook this morning, um, but I read every section that I thought could pertain to this, and the only <coughs> mention of excessive breaking is this. Um, it is section 2, page 8, uh, race procedures. And the quote in the rule book is any time that it has been judged that excessive braking has resulted in loss of control that results in contact with the guard rail, guard wall and or light fixtures or crossing the center boundaries, including past the finish line, the contestant will be disqualified. So basically, if you hit the brakes, lose control of the car, hit a guardrail, cross the center line, even if it's after the finish line, or obviously hit another fixture associated with the racetrack or your opponent, you're disqualified. Pretty cut and dry. Jerry Ammons, not only did he not do that, like, he wasn't out of control. I, I don't... If Again, now, if I'm missing something in the rule book, listeners, bring it to my attention. I can't find anything but that. So, where is the grounds for disqualification here? Like, my take on this is the rules in black and white enforce it. And, and my larger take on this is whether you like that rule the way that I read it or not, it's the only way to enforce this. Because you can sit here and say all you want, we uh, excessive braking is a problem and we need to eliminate it. Okay, you could say that, but how are you going to do it? It's so discretionary. It is completely selective prosecution. I don't care if you set someone on a, a ladder at the finish line and have them watch every round of competition, it's still selective prosecution. Like, the, how can you accurately judge, okay, that was safe and that was unsafe? Like, there's no way to do that. So to me, as, as cut and dry as that rule is, and as much as it allows for what a lot of us would consider unsafe driving, in my opinion, it's the only way to police this. And like, just like most of you listening, well, that's pretty harsh. You know, like, I don't like the idea of getting run over at the finish line because my opponent was stupid aggressive at the stripe, right? I don't like that idea either. But to me, if we're going to enforce a breakout rule, like, racers are going to lift before they get to the finish line. Like, that's just part of our sport. And to me, if I go out the first race of the year and I get T-boned at the finish line by a racer that locks up the brakes, am I going to be happy about that? No. But to me, that's no different than if that racer blew a cooling line off and got in his own water and T-boned me. Like, it's just part of the game. It's a risk that we assume coming into the races. Now, I'm not advocating, like, unsafe finish line driving, but, um, like, I make a living in large part teaching people how to do this, like, how to drive the finish line. And what I saw of the video of Jerry Emmons, just like you said, Jared, that's how I teach to do it. Like, what he did was a very controlled early. I mean, he you can see the nose yeah. of the car drop well before the mile of power cone. Um, not locked up the tires. Like, everything about that is that's the way to do it. And 
you know, whether he was like driving to a spot to kill ET or racing his opponent, like either way, he did an awesome job. Like he got their first eight thousands. Like I, <laughs> uh, and and what's crazy about it, like I think you can attest to this. Like what he did, obviously you you see it on the time slip or on Drager Central. Like he's down ten mile an hour, and people go, "Oh wow, that's a lot," right? But the way that he did it was very early. Like you could t- kill ten mile an hour in the last twenty feet of the run and be unsafe. Like he killed twenty mile an, or ten mile an hour over the course of a hundred feet. Like that's, that was very controlled, and the way that he did it, it looks a little bit dramatic because there's so much suspension movement on a stock eliminator car. But yep. I'm just telling you, like he didn't hit the brakes harder than a lot of people hit the brakes at the finish line to stop. He no, just he did didn't on the racing surface. Like we we've all had the the panic drop or or right. you know whatever, and and got it a little out of shape i mean i i would be lying if i told you i haven't been there but oh i'm the same way this wasn't that no this is so so nicely done i mean really was how you would teach somebody in in nhra's defense here um they like they're gonna get negative feedback no matter what they do right like this looks to me like an irrational like i don't think you can justify this decision but on the same token, like, let's say that um, Jerry Emmons locks up the brakes, goes across the racetrack, T-bones Rizzoli that round, and you've got two beautiful Camaros destroyed. Well, there's going to be 50 people gas bagging on the internet going, you know, we really need to crack down on excessive braking. It's getting out of hand. And that's going to be NHRA's fault, too. You know what I mean? Like, they can't win. But this is... I just don't under... I if there's a leg to stand on with this decision like i haven't seen it and it's so like i said before unprecedented and at least to what i can find this rule isn't on the book like where i don't i don't see how you can justify this decision now I, i've seen in a lot of the, the the social media arguments here um that's that's just nhra favoritism it's because you know like all you you get some texas guys or division four guys going oh he was racing a division seven racer look I don't think that has anything to do with it. I, I, and to be completely honest, like whoever makes this decision, like they probably got more important stuff going on than fourth round of stock eliminator national event. Like let's all be, I think Jerry Emmons could say that. Um, and I don't think they care who wins. If anything, like you gotta, if there is some bias involved here, like Jerry Emmons is sponsored by Lucas Oil. They sponsor the Sportsman Series. Like, I saw a post on Facebook of somebody saying, well, that wouldn't happen if, you know, that you padded NHRA's pocket. Well, who does more for NHRA than Lucas Oil, right? <laughs> I, I don't think that that comes into play. If anything, I think you could make the argument that they're singling out somebody like Jerry to make an example of him. But I don't really think that that's the case either. Like, this I, I this just doesn't make a lot of sense to me today. So, uh, like I say, in, in going down my, my rabbit hole and putting together, as, wrapping my mind around this as much as I can, I actually spoke with Jerry Emmons today. Um, and I took, I took two things from the conversation. The first, and I think, <coughs> excuse me, the, the most important, um, is that without really, like, I, like I'm going to say he issued a challenge to me, but it's not like he said, Luke, here's the challenge. You know what I mean? Like if you've ever met Jerry Emmons, like that's, that's not the way they operates, but basically he, he, his takeaway from this was, okay, well, what can we do to make this better? And what can we do as racers? And I thought about that all day because there's got to be some positive that comes of this. And here's the answer that I've come up with. For those of you that are 
interested in following NHRA racing because you get people all the time, well, that stuff's never going to change if we keep going, okay? I don't think that the answer here is necessarily protest. The answer here is communication. If you're not interested in running an NHRA stuff, then you don't care about this. Like, you, you want to get on a gas bag, right? But for those of you that, that are, here's my suggestion, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to send an email to my division director, and I'm going to say, I just want a clarification. What's the rule, and how's it going to be enforced? And if I do that, and you do that, whether it's your division director or your track operator or whatever, if there is enough people asking that question, eventually that question at NHRA is going to get funneled to the person that makes that decision. And they're going to have to provide us with some clarity, here's the rule, and some definition as to here's how we're going to enforce it. Because otherwise it's completely selective, completely discretionary, completely subjective, and anybody that is racing the finish line is subject to get thrown out at any time for what I would consider to be no good reason. Um, the second thing that I took from the conversation with Jerry Ammons today was the way that he and his team are handling this. And I would like to think it's much like I would handle it. Um, in that Jerry's take on this, obviously, is it unfair? Yeah. Is it ridiculous? Yeah, I think so. I think he thinks so too. But he pretty quickly came to the realization that the decision's been made. Um, it is what it is. Arguing about it, making a scene about it at the racetrack was just going to look poorly upon him. Um, which I think takes a lot of, um, of um, awareness in the moment to realize and like he had talked to me today, like their rig is in, they live in Houston, Texas. They were in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, the, the brothers flew back home. They had left the rig in Phoenix to, with the intention to run a, a divisional this weekend. And like the first instinct was, screw that, we'll just drive everything home. Like that'll be our protest. But like they're in a bad spot. They're, they're obligated, they're sponsored by Lucas Oil. Like, they're obligated to run the NHRA series. Like, I'm sure that's part of their agreement. Phoenix was on their schedule. So, more than likely, he didn't tell me exactly what they're going to do, but I think more than likely they're going to suck it up and they're going to go back and race next weekend. And that's not an act of cowardice or spinelessness or something like that. Like, that's doing what you have to do to move forward. And obviously, he's going to follow up with NHRA. Like, I, I, at this point, certainly, there's no way to, to reverse the decision. There's probably nothing that will come of it. Um, but he's at least going to look for the same type of clarification that we are. Um, I, I just, I, I, I was impressed by that, less than 24 hours removed, like how sensible he was about the situation, saying, look, I, this, I don't think this was right, but what are you going to do? And... Uh, I we talked about this back on what episode triple zero or I think I don't know it, maybe it was our most embarrassing moments episode um, like I got kicked out of a race in in stock eliminator um, for filling out my tech card wrong and that, it sucks and it, in in a lot of ways like it was kind of similar because once that decision's made like you realize really quickly like you're shell shocked and you're thinking what yeah. on earth but you realize pretty quickly that there's not anything you're going to do to reverse that. Like you kind of have to accept it and take a, okay, what's next mentality. Now the difference in our situation is like, I did something wrong. 
Like, I wrote the wrong year model in the tech card. Now, to this day, I don't think that the, the, the crime warranted the punishment, in my case. But, like, I think it's got to be even harder to swallow for Jerry because I don't think he did anything wrong. Yeah. Um, so, uh, like I say, that's... I, I guess that's enough gas bagging for me, but that's um, that's where I wanted to go on that. Any more thoughts, Jed? Well, uh, uh, the class that they're handling it with, um, you know, Jerry and the whole Lemons family, you wouldn't expect anything less. So I, I commend them for that. You know, it's this one, Luke, seems uh, exceptionally difficult because of the great start that he was already off to in Stock Eliminator. And then you just got a win light in the quarterfinals at the second national event of the year. So, you know, you're at that point everybody that's left thinks they're winning the race okay just go out and make your run you're winning so um great start and then to have the rug pulled out from under you like that had to be devastating and um i I consider myself a guy that handles things well but i don't think i would ever get to that level that the emmons families put themselves on with the way they've handled this so kudos to them for for how they're handling this business yeah, I agree. And this still made me think about like I don't I don't want to to jump on the bandwagon of like bash bashing NHRA. Like I again I, I don't think this is a good decision and I think I've outlined why. And it's the second to that kind of stands out, I guess, to me uh, in recent time uh, of kind of questionable decisions towards sportsman racers by NHRA as it pertains to like disqualification from an event. Um, I don't know if you remember any of the details, Jed. Last year at Joliet, um, a young man named Holden Laris, Larice, sorry, Holden Larice, had a buy run, three cars left in Supercomp. And <coughs> the result of the buy run was that he went off the racetrack into the sand. And apparently prior to staging for the run, they had had some issues. There was communication with the crew chief. Um, Holden decided to stage, make a full run on a by run, you know, 180 miles an hour or whatever he goes in super comp, and then um, past the finish line had no brakes or little brakes uh, and went off into the sand. And although they were able to fix the car to return for the final round, the decision was made that his decision to make a wide open run in the semifinals was unsafe and he was disqualified um and you could look at that from a lot of different standpoints like obviously if he staged the car without brakes and then made a full run on a buy run like that's pretty dumb i think we could all agree with that oh yeah um but on the other hand like who the hell would stage with no brakes on a buy run and make a wide open run like that that (laughs) seems kind of counterintuitive um, and then better yet, like to kind of um, establish that argument, <coughs> the people with Holden went to the tower. Now, granted, this is uh, an odd exception. Like they had a, a data logging system with a brake pressure monitor and he had the same brake pressure when he staged that he had in previous rounds. So you would have to assume that as far as he knew, everything's fine. Um, and they present that information and it still didn't, um, didn't have any impact on the decision and I just whatever like I think in that instance like if you're dead set and thinking he knew he had a problem um, like he shouldn't go down the racetrack but who was he doing harm like it was a it was a buy run you know yeah. I mean like the only the only person that stands to, to, to hurt from that decision if that decision was made was Holden um, and, and I just the, the I guess the parallel that I take from this is I think it's a very slippery slope 
for the NHRA or any sanctioning body or any race director to try to, how can I say this, police the intention of safety. Yeah. Because where does that stop? Like, I think it's unsafe when some of the stock eliminator drivers get the cars up to 60 mile an hour in the pits and shut them off and coast through the pits with no sound and flying. Like, I think that's unsafe for a lot more people than just the driver. Um, I think you could make the argument that at several races, there's a large percentage of like, say, I don't want to single any class out, but the top sportsman class, that those drivers have no business staging the car, much less trying to hit the brakes at the finish line. Like, you know what I mean? Like, where do you draw that line and say, this is unsafe, this isn't? Like, when you're, if you're going to try to be in that business, I just think you're asking for trouble. And if I were in a tray, like, I would steer clear of that. I would set the black and white rules and just keep it simple. If you hit something, you're out. Beyond that, we're staying out of it. I, I don't I don't know how you do it any other way. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's no excessive braking to for an et purpose in the the pro categories but my goodness i mean those guys are bent out of shape left and right with no care in the world about you know if they're about to hit something or blow something up and throw it over into the pits or whatever else i mean they're they're trying to get a to b part of the show but you know there's there are some unsafe practices in every class every class so if, if, like you said, if you're going to start judging safety intentions, then I mean, they might as well shut the series down. Right. Um, so, well said. Uh, I think our both points have been made, and yours exceptionally well. So, hopefully, something good comes out of it. And, and uh, again, everybody pay attention to Luke's suggestion of uh, writing your uh, division director and seeing if we can get some clarification about um, this particular rule and how it'll be handled going forward all right actually on the racetrack in phoenix like that's obviously the big story we've spent 20 plus minutes talking about it um but when jerry had that issue that was alongside kyle rizzoli rizzoli went on to win um stock limiter so kudos to him and that was actually something that jerry wanted to express uh in when when he and i talked earlier he's like i didn't want to make a big scene because i didn't want to take anything away from kyle like i didn't want to be unsportsmanlike obviously and i and i think i know kyle well enough to know that like he feels kind of funny about getting put back into that race like that's a tough situation too um but he made the most of the opportunity got the win over justin lamb who coincidentally um justin is part of team luke in superstock kyle is part of team jed in Superstock. So we made really great picks. Like, we got two finalists that just not happening in the right class for it, was us. Yeah, my man, my man Riz, he didn't even enter Superstock in that had Pomona. So, yeah. Yeah. So, but he, he uh, turned out, Plourd told me this weekend that, that Riz had some work obligations that he couldn't get out of. So I guess I needed to do a better job of checking around like like you did, you know, with your little <laughs> sneaky text messaging and all, where you got all that inside information and you're off to a, a great start. I don't know. You I got, didn't. Um, didn't, you, didn't you have somebody that did well that, oh, uh, at Phoenix? I think. I think no, it wasn't Phoenix. We'll talk about oh, that. Oh, okay, it was Orlando. Yeah, I knew we'll you had a winner that a somewhere. Later. Okay, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Sorry, I don't mean to jump the gun. Uh, <laughs> other stories from Phoenix. Ed Open, Team Luke, again, wrong class. Um, we talked about Ed after Pomona doubling up, um, top sportsman Supergas. He kept that role going in Supergas all the way to the final. 
um, yeah. turned it seventh out red in the final to uh, Aaron Kennard. Ed and I are obviously not on the same page. Would have liked to have seen him make the final round of Top Sportsman. Um, <laughs> but hey, uh, and Top Sportsman, that's actually a pretty good segue. How about Ferd? Uh, Mike Ferder, how did we kind of, I don't want to say overlook, like, one of us should have third on our top sportsman team. Uh, that's I don't I didn't get it either when I when I saw that he won I was like how did I how did I neither one of us picked him so yeah yeah that's twenty four national know. events twenty four can't really be wrong he, we probably nah. warranted some consideration there but yeah <laughs> great job by him and a great start for Ed Open to the the Ute there that's uh that's really impressive and um, he's uh, he's definitely going to be a guy to contend with for that title that both of us are looking for so yeah and that it's, is the uh the, he's actually uh, in top sportsman they're competing for the racing rvs top sportsman world championship which is fitting and so jed why don't you tell us a little bit about racing rvs absolutely speaking of the great folks at racing rvs uh those guys they're heavily involved in sportsman drag racing luke as you know they headline the nhra top dragster and top sportsman series they sponsor all of the SFC, SFG promotions events, excuse me, including the World Series of Bracket Racing, the Super Bowl of Bracket Racing, and the Powerball event. Racing RV sponsors racers including Austin Williams, Disco Dean Carnes, of course yourself, our own Luke Bogacki, and uh, they present this podcast that you're listening to. In short, our good friends at Racing RVs is invested in sportsman drag racing. So when the time comes for you to make an investment in your own RV or trailer, we encourage you, heavily encourage you, to support the company that supports sportsman drag racing. That's Racing RVs. They do it all, guys. New coaches, used units, financing, trade-ins, consignments, you name it, they do it. They can take care of you. Make sure to visit them online at racingrvs.com. All right, guys, and if you followed or participated in the off-season practice tree challenge uh, that we put together on Facebook last month, you know that I personally am a huge advocate of routine practice, and the best way to do that, to get the most out of it, is to practice on a real LED tree in your own race car using your own pedals and or buttons. Portatree makes doing all of that easy. Their new Eliminator Next Gen Practice Tree has more relevant features than any other tree on the market. And it's touchscreen, so it's easy to use. The Next Gen is compatible with both the PortaTree National Event Tree and the PortaTree Mini, which is what I use. Um, best of all, PortaTree offers vehicle connections that allow you to easily plug these devices into your race car. So again, you can use your own button and even your own delay box. It's really cool. Um, for more information, call PortaTree, 1-800-541-7613. Big Jed, um, continuing on with the results from the weekend, we teased it a little bit earlier. Um, Montgomery's Montgomery Motorsports Park, home of the Million Dollar Race. Uh, had a Super 7s event last weekend. Uh, you were there. Tell us a little bit about what uh, what happened in Montgomery. It was 315 granders on the top, correct? Yeah, it was, yes. Uh, great race, guaranteed purse to start out the Super 7 series, and really good crowd on hand. Uh, I was not able to make Friday's racing action due to some work obligations, but I did make it there just in time to go to the celebratory runner-up dinner with my good friend Larry Martin and his crew as uh, he come up just a little short to little Mikey Bloomfield in Friday's final round. Um, good race. Like, and sounds like good timing on your part. 
Was, oh, it was excellent. It really was. I, I didn't have to sit through any of the racing action. I actually got there as they were loaded up and stuff and just in time to go eat. But uh, Larry starting his year out right in, uh, in the Camaro and little Mike starting his year out really right in the dragster. And we uh, rolled into Saturday where the um, crowd got a little bit larger. I think they topped out on Saturday at about 180 in Super Pro Loop. Uh, had a had a nice no box crowd, uh, one of the bigger crowds I've seen at Montgomery in a while, which is great. And 46 juniors, so wow. uh, heck of a crowd there. The the pits were full, and uh, my good friend Don Bradford uh, got the win. He's 68 years old and been wanting a big check. He said for a long, long time, and boy did he get one in in real life and the big happy gilmore so great job by don bradford uh, bested bones in the final bones took the took the vega to the final round and did really well had a good uh, good saturday there at the show and uh he was as one of his customers there don bradford so he was really proud for don and don was happy so everybody got to celebrate there we had a good time and and uh, on saturday's uh, uh no box action uh, Matt Nowling, which is fresh off a win at the King of the Coast series. Yeah, heck of a start for Matt. Yep, really good start and a new car that he's just started racing. He got the win over the always tough Danny Paul. Goes to show so, you what uh, you can do when you get a Vega. <laughs> yeah, Vegas, Vegas really showed out this weekend. So good for Matt and Danny. Good start for them. And in the junior category, uh, Morgan Carroll got the win over Chase Ramey. I don't uh, don't know either one of those youngsters, but I'm sure they were performing really well. So. Congrats to all of those, and the wrap-up 15 grander Luke was uh, another beautiful day at Montgomery. I'm not sure what the crowd was, but it was really close to what Saturday was, and uh, the always tough Cameron Manuel uh, took the win, and uh, I think he was dialed 430-something, so uh, pretty stout ride there for Cameron, and got the win over Chris Crosby, which Chris is a long-time tough racer, I think, from... Uh, from the Tallahassee area, if I remember correctly, but um, he yeah. made his way to the final round. So Cameron's good one of those for the guys that doesn't seem to get a lot of national attention. That is a bad dude. Like he is. He really is. Yeah, I've seen him do it in a lot of different classes, a lot of different cars. That's, yeah. that's no surprise. He's, yep, he's performed really well for the last many years. So Cameron always a tough out. And uh, over in the no box side, uh, Thomas Holly, which is a guy we're familiar with from down in South Alabama. Oh, can I tell okay. my Thomas Holly, Thomas Holly story? Please do. <clears throat> you introduced me to Thomas Holly at Montgomery <laughs> last year at the Million Dollar Race. And, folks, this is the way that Jed introduced me to Thomas Holly. Luke, <laughs> Luke, you, you coming to Holly Springs next week? Southern Footbreak Challenge? I said, you know, I'll be there, Jed. You know I will. Hey, I just want to introduce you to this guy. His, his name's Thomas. He's going to kick your bleep next weekend. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. Hey, Thomas, nice to meet you. Fast forward seven days. First thing Sunday morning, no time runs, me and Thomas Holly. I don't remember the numbers. I made a really good run. My wind light didn't come on. So you weren't lying. But that is that is how I got introduced to Thomas Holly. Thomas is a bad dude. He is. Great, great young man, very humble, uh, just enjoys the sport, goes at it hard, and he, uh, he got him a big win there on Sunday. Uh, at uh, Montgomery and beat Malone Wilson in the final. So it was a good run by them. Congratulations to those guys as well. And to wrap it up in the junior category on Sunday, uh, little Evan Johnson took the win over my main man, Lucas Ford. It was Brad Ford's boy. And 
they are uh, they're racing a car that um, actually George Howard, uh, Jim Howard is Lucas's grandfather, and obviously George Howard in uh, that family helped him get a Roy Hill a Junior Dragster before he passed and they're racing that car in memory of george so really good start for lucas and congratulations to evan johnson as well great start for him and just really good competition luke it was it was great to be back at the races competing and uh these guys are as tough as ever it was uh it was a heck of a weekend how did your weekend go jed you, i don't i didn't hear your name in any of the results you, you didn't hear you must have must have been breaking up when i told you how <laughs> i went <laughs> uh saturday uh Saturday and Sunday was on two days. Obviously, I got to race and a third round exit on Saturday. Um, car slowed up a couple of hundreds and uh, did not know it. wasn't anticipating it. Got me beat. And Sunday, that was to Wade White, by the way, crazy Cajun. And uh, Sunday, in fourth round, I come up short, champ in Brandon Taylor's dragster. Uh, I was uh, three thou under, getting there eighteen with him feeding me about i think about 15 of that so uh, i was I, th- I was thinking he was passing me so i i legged it and it was the wrong decision still was that able to go like under I'd tell if i got there 18 yeah, i think he fed me 15 of it <laughs> <laughs> he might have maybe like 16 three. you know <laughs> he might have fed me three thou of it but 15 <laughs> sounded way better but no matter what he fed me it was too much and uh, i got there three thou too soon so bowed out early um uh, but felt good to be out there competing and i was in uh i was in optimus dime and that was the first time i got to race it bought it last summer and somebody fell in love with it there at the track and had to have it and uh, it's got a new owner now so first time and uh, last time yeah first time and last time i got to race it so i'll be back in big red here in a couple of weeks and down to one car again kind of feels good i see i see um all right, so we talked about Phoenix. We talked about Montgomery. Um, the other major <clears throat> event that went on last weekend was the NHRA Division Two Lucas Oil Series event in Orlando. And uh, the results that stood out to me there, number one, Team Luke. Saw Sandy Wilkins get the win in Top Sportsman, representing mm-hmm. there. All right, so uh, Team Luke off to a good start. Congratulations to Sandy. Um, Jonathan Anderson won uh, Super Street. Uh, is that like a broken record? I think yeah. I think Jonathan Anderson won four NHRA divisional events in Super Division Two races in 2016. I maybe it might have been three. I know he won three early. I think he added a fourth. Um, won the division championship going away. Won the Jags All Stars in Chicago. Um, starts up 2017 right where he left off and was beat Matt Weston in the final. Looked like a good race. They were both double O, but Jonathan was double O and 90. Um, just really impressive. He he is dominating that class right now, and and we all know how that stuff goes. But the, his run has lasted um, like a full calendar year right now. Very impressive. Yes, it is. All right, go ahead, gloat a little bit. Team oh, Ed. I mean, I I wasn't gonna say anything, really? but uh, it, uh, in my notes it says Rusty Cook was the super gas winner, and I, one of us picked Rusty. That's right. That was Team Jed. Uh Team Jed finally gets on the board with a win, and my man Rusty Cook gets it done. So thank you, Rusty. Congratulations to you. Uh, No surprise there. I'm sure um, he's a very tough super super category racer, and Rusty going to get off to a good start again. And 
I appreciate getting me on the board. It means a lot, more than you know. And, uh, he uh, he also performed extremely well in Super Comp, where he come up one win light short with a runner-up finish to uh, John Laboose Jr. So uh, Caboose getting himself started well and Rusty with a with a great great weekend at the racetrack. Yeah, Little John was deep in both classes too, I believe. Looking at it, I think he lost in the quarterfinals of Supergas with the bite of the final on the line. So those two weren't too far from um, squaring off in both finals. So congrats mm-hmm. to both of them. Uh, and, and especially, like you said, Rusty, a heck of a start to the season. He won the IHRA race in the Mockley, I believe it was. We were talking about that a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and now um, two finals at the first NHRA divisional event. So. Uh, way to go, Rusty and the Ohio Crankshaft team. Overall, um, just looking over Drag Race Central, like the, the car count was not stellar in Orlando. I don't think it really ever is, um, particularly in the faster classes, the top sportsman, top dragster classes. I've personally never been to Orlando, but I haven't heard much good about it in terms of going fast. Um, I heard it's a little rough, a little sandy, um, not the, the favorite place for those cars. So that's probably um, some of it, and some of it is like it's still late february you know what i mean there's a lot of people like me that are uh, not not ready to get out to the racetrack yet at all and, but and there, maybe there's more to it maybe there there is some of this um um nhra kickback you know what i mean like uh, people talk like they're you know it's it seems like the dialogue's been going on for 20 years but tired of the nhra treatment and things like that i don't know i think in a lot of cases that's overblown although obviously after this weekend it, it doesn't look particularly good um like people are gonna do what they want to do and like for me i i still enjoy nhra racing like as crazy as that sounds um not all of it like my my intentions this year are probably to go to six national events i don't really intend to go to uh, many divisionals maybe not any divisionals um my focus quite honestly is turned um a lot more to the big dollar bracket racing for a variety of reasons number one um like it 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 pays so much more than it did five years ago like some of these races if you're in the business of racing like i am and and to some extent trying to make a living for it from it um fifty thousand dollars to win at a bracket race versus nine or ten thousand dollars to win at a national event fairly easy decision in most cases um and then specifically um two 20 granders and a 50 grander um on the weekend or going to a division race that might pay 3500 one race that's a real easy decision um and and, then i think but even beyond that beyond the the financial aspect of it um i don't want to even want to get into the appreciation aspect of it but like the bulk of the bigger bracket races that we go to are put on by racers for racers that are they're not they're not catered to the professionals like they're races for us and i think that that goes a long way uh in terms of customer satisfaction more so than anything now no no event um promoter is perfect you and i can attest to that um but i think for the most part when you get racers putting on events for racers we've got the best of intentions at least and to me uh like obviously i'm a little bit biased i'm a huge advocate but to me the the series that I don't know if I necessarily say stands out because there's a lot of good bracket races, but to me, I think like the best series going right now has got to be the Drag Race Results Series in Huntsville, and that's uh, their first race is like a month away. Um, that's where my season's going to start. Um, the first of the three race series is actually March 24th through the 26th. You'll be there, right, Jed? I will. I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a good time. Um, I um, 
I didn't get to compete at every event last year for some scheduling conflicts, but I think those are all worked out, and I'm I'm looking forward to getting in there and battling for that points chase, man. I mean, what what Scott and Nicole and and the Lemon family have done is just amazing with the with all the the purses and the prizes. It's 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 really special. Yeah, I mean, the races themselves this year, they're $20,000 to win Friday and Sunday with the $50,000 to win main event on Saturday. But kind of like you alluded to, the to me, the real carrot that is dangled out for this series is the points fund. And obviously, if you're familiar at all with the series, you you know my story from last year. Like, I, I took advantage of that points fund um, and, and, and had a... Uh, three weekends that I will probably never forget and actually ended up winning the points which got a complete rolling American Race Cars Dragsters like a $30,000 car Um, and then I also in my second entry finished second in the points um, which got a a complete motor from uh, Oakley Motorsports like a $15,000 motor probably more than that probably closer to a $20,000 motor Um, and you think oh my goodness that's great I mean it's literally in the three weekends last year like I between the points money and, and making three final rounds like I took like six figures out of that point series which is crazy like that doesn't happen outside of the million dollar race um, but what's awesome about it like obviously you look back that was just nine races three weekends to get that type of points prize but it's not just the winner and runner up that go out of there with something special like no. that points fund is unprecedented in what we do like it's deep um i mean it goes all the way back the third place gets a set of heads from brodix fourth place is a transmission from fti like on down to like 25th is a 500 dollars value um yeah. i'm just scrolling looking at the flyer now it's a uh, uh 14th and 15th is a thousand dollar um pte straight cut gear set 21st and 22nd is a 500 hundred dollar autometer gift certificate like obviously there's going to be 150 plus cars at every event so there's no guarantee that you finish 25th in points but i think most of us can look at it and go that's attainable you know if i go to all three races and that stuff covers the entry fees in a hurry yeah and and you know obviously everybody wants to win the 20 50 20 but you know luke it, it starts paying guys that win the third round and starts paying you pretty well at that so you you get that win light third round you start going to the pay window and that it gets obviously gets better with every round thereafter every round win thereafter so uh, really great job by by the lemon family um this this is very exciting uh it's it's making uh it's making every head turn and, and people are really getting excited about it and i hope that it does well it's at a great facility huntsville dragway uh phenomenal facility uh people that care about the racers that want to give you a great track and a great event so um you know if you if you worry at all about where you're going to race uh put that out of your head because huntsville dragway is excellent place to go and scott couldn't have picked a better venue yeah no i like i say i'm obviously biased because the series was so good to me but i in terms of the the big dollar realm like i really think it's probably the most racer friendly series of events um going when you combine the purses the points the the fun atmosphere like everything that they do i think they do a really good job with so they have a couple of changes for 2017 that i took note of looking at the flyer and they've entry they've lowered the entry fees a little bit trying to get um a little bit more um support obviously a little bit more involvement um there is they did 
they did add a, uh, a double entry rule where you could double enter the same car, um, which is new. Last year, uh, if you were going to double enter, you had to do two different cars. What's your take on that, like in general, not necessarily as it applies to the DragusResults.com series, dude? Well, uh, I work a lot of events, and they have a lot of different rules, but the the events that I co-promote with Steve Stites uh, allows double entry, same car, same driver. I, I, you know, I like that if you're going to allow any form of double entry that you would allow the same guy to drive the same car twice because everybody doesn't have a stacker and everybody doesn't have the ability to get two cars there or even a you know a smaller trailer that might hold two dragsters you might have two door cars so uh, i think if you allow doubles you allow any form of doubles but i can see where some events that would be a major issue trying to get the event run to completion so um, I get why people have different rules for different events, but I love what Scott's done with this. I love same car, same driver, and um, you know I will probably take my shot a couple of times at, at an event or two. Yeah, I um, like I, I definitely I don't necessarily say I want to uh, agree with you. Like I see that argument. I think it's probably the fairest way to do it. Like if you're going to allow double entries, allow anybody to double enter. Um, from a promoter standpoint, like particularly late in the rounds, I think that doubling one car becomes a little bit cumbersome. Um, and from a racer standpoint, I okay. If you had 500 cars and you had gave me the option, Luke, you've got your two cars here. Do you want to drive each car once or do you want to double one? In the early rounds of that huge race, I would definitely want to double one to get two shots at the racetrack. Once you get me to say fifth or sixth round, I feel way more comfortable being in two different cars simply because I've got time to cool them down I've got time to think um, if something was to go wrong and break on one car I'm not necessarily eliminated from competition I'm down to one yeah. um, like I say that you can make a lot of different arguments either way both as a promoter and as a racer but strictly in terms of like fairness I agree like the fairest way to go about this is either say everybody gets one entry or everybody can double one way or another so yeah i'm with you some other things at huntsville this year there is no ladder um last year they would ladder us down to eight i think i'm the reason that they changed that i uh had to run myself at four um at the Mm -hmm. july race um it's actually a neat situation i knew i had the buy run at seven and um i think i had been 002 in the first car Anyway, I know the two pairs that went after me. I can hear them on the PA, so I know coming up there for my bot run that if I am 005 with a 9 at Huntsville, it goes out to the fourth digit. If I'm 005, 9 or better, I will not have to run myself. If I am worse or red, I will. So that's a pretty small window. Yep. I was 006, 1. Oh. <laughs> so uh, hooked myself at four, which may have ended up working out for the best. Who knows? Uh, I did end up winning yep. the race, but I certainly would have liked my chance to uh, have both entries in the final. I didn't complain about that by any means. It is what it is. Um, but I think, um, and, and Scott's told me this, it's not that I think, like they, they thought about that and said, you know, there's enough people that are either double entered or that are racing with buddies that they don't want to race until they have to. Um, we should just do away with the ladder in general. And that, I think you make a good argument there too. Like, I think that's something to consider for those of us putting on races as well. I think that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, like yeah. Then, uh, and, and then this year they're adding a, a Thursday night gambler race, um, which last year was like a run for the money format for some money on Thursday night. Um, 
this year they're actually going to do a Thursday night gambler. I believe it's $2,500 to win, sponsored by our buddy Champ at Champ's Performance. Um, I know I will take advantage of that um, on Thursday in March just because that will be the first time that I stage in uh, 2017. So I'd like to make a few runs, make sure nothing falls off, uh, make sure that I can still stage in forward motion, not look like too much of a dingbat before it matters a little bit more for 20 grand on Friday. So I will be there. Yeah. Champ's Performance, Thursday night gambler, March uh, 25th. See you guys there. Yep. <laughs> It's going to be a great way to get things started, and you'll be trying to uh, defend your your title and actually your top two spots. And I've got an interesting uh, take on that. I'm not defending anything. Not defending it? No, no. I've got those really cool cold hard art trophies from last year. <laughs> um, those checks are in the bank. Nobody can take no that from you. Take those from me. Um, I am pursuing the uh, 2017 DragRacerResults.com Series Championship, just like well probably said. 200 other competitors. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not defending anything. Floyd Mayweather, if he fights again, he'll defend that belt that he's got. Hey, that for me. <laughs> well said. Very well said. I, but I, I look forward to uh, to trying to uh, duplicate what you did. Obviously, that's a, that's a stretch and a, a dream, but um, I look forward to trying it anyway and um, you know what, Luke? I'd really like to, I'd really like to knock you off the throne personally. I mean, one I thing, like racing great racers. <laughs> I would really like to beat you. One thing I'll guarantee you, Jed, somebody is going to win that championship this year. <laughs> yes, they are. It's actually, this brings to mind something my father used to used to say a lot. He goes, "You know, some poor bastard's going to win, and, <laughs> and you're as poor a bastard as any." So there you go. <clears throat> words of wisdom (laughs) that's good stuff look forward to competing everybody needs to be there it's going to be great um the last thing on our uh on our checklist for the podcast today the uh the next big thing vote we teased this on the last podcast um nothing has happened yet we've actually been doing our homework a little bit we had um we had the the, you guys you voters narrowed it down to our 10 candidates for the next big thing and uh, we've basically been doing our homework over the course of the last week, contacting each of those candidates, um, getting a little bit of information from them, getting some uh, accomplishments, a little bit of background, um, just a little bit of their story. And that's what we're going to include in the ballot that I think will be available by the time you guys actually listen to this podcast. Um, it's in the works right now. We're going to do that via email. You sign up for an email form. The ballot will be emailed to you. Um, and I this is pretty neat like i'm way even more excited about this now that i've gotten some of this information and talked to some of these guys um like our group of next big thing candidates is if i remember correctly ages 14 to 24 um all young men which is a little bit disappointing i guess after the last episode like i would have loved to seen some uh, some females in there um, but they just didn't get the votes um but man some really cool um kids is not the right word Some really cool young racers with really cool stories um and I, i'm kind of I'm, I'm obviously very anxious to interview the overall winner which you guys will decide um but i wouldn't mind talking to a lot of these um young racers this is this has been pretty neat um getting to get more familiar with some of these racers that i didn't even know um prior to this week and hearing their stories their accomplishments um and kind of what they've got planned for the future i think you guys will really enjoy this yeah, a lot of talent out there and look forward to showcasing it and seeing who comes out on top via the vote. So it's going to be going to be a lot of fun. And good luck to each and every one of those 10 people on the list.
This episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast has been presented in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. If you enjoy any of the training packages, thisisbracketracing.com, and there are a ton of them. Written trainings from $5 each, video trainings from $12 each. If you like those, then I have a feeling you'll love This Is Bracket Racing Elite. Elite is an exclusive membership community designed for racers just like you and me. To learn more, visit thisisbracketracing.com. Jed, that's going to wrap up episode 15. I uh, just want to say thank you to our sponsors. These are, again, the folks that bring our podcast to you every week. Um, Portatree, This Is Bracket Racing Elite, and Racing RVs. Um, I want to say thank you to PJ North once again for providing the tunes, doing our intro. You can find PJ's work on iTunes. As you guys know, we plan to release a new podcast every week of the calendar year. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give ourselves a little bit of pat on the back here. We're through uh, February. We started this in December, this episode 15. We've, we've been on the every week track. Jed, we're doing good. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, so stay tuned for plenty more going forward there. Yeah, and guys, to get the latest episode before your friends, be sure to subscribe to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast wherever it is that you find your favorite podcast. We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, be sure to rate and review the podcast. That's how we move up in the rankings so more people can find us. If you don't like what you hear, be sure to let us know how we can deliver you a better show. And finally, be sure to join the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast fan page on Facebook to interact and become part of the conversation this week. Absolutely. And be sure to keep your eyes open for that uh, next big thing vote. Like I say, by the time you listen to this, you'll probably have seen that on Facebook or via email. Get in there, vote. Let us know which one of those 10 young men um, are, in your opinion, going to be the next big thing. And uh, we'll have one of them on next week. Yep, look forward to it. And thanks, everybody. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week. This is way of life. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty, switching feet like Jerry Pennington. I was in my truck. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, 
This is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.